Matthew 24. And we are going to continue where we left off from last time. Matthew 24. Therefore, we're going to begin in verse 9. In verse 9. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. But many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will go cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. In this gospel, the kingdom will be preached in the world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And so, when you see standing in the holy place, the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of his house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for a pregnant woman and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great distress, unequaled, from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. Let's pray. Lord, we open your word, we open our hearts and our minds to hear from you this day. And in that, we open up our will to change in whatever way is needed. Something we're doing, something we're thinking. You've warned us about not just this time, but warned us about those who will talk of these times. And ultimately of your coming again. Pray that you would give us discernment this day to recognize not just what's being said, but how it applies to our life. Each of us in here as individuals, each of us as we deal with others. Lord, we pray that you would help to make this not just a, some educational exercise that so often happens when we talk of end times, but rather transformational in how and what we're doing. Help me to speak your words, but I thank you that you can also help each one here through your Holy Spirit to hear you speak. So now speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Every week it seems like we hear of some new crazy and ridiculous thing happening uh, when you listen to the news, which is also often followed by some even crazier prediction by some end times prophet shouting, the sky is falling, the sky is falling. 
you know, prophetically proclaiming what you're seeing on the news, that doomsday is here, just look at the signs of the times. Now, watching for the signs of the times is not something that is necessarily bad. I mean, that's something the disciples asked Jesus that we looked at last week. If you remember in Matthew 24, if you weren't with us, you could just go back in verse 3 of Matthew 24, where the disciples were there and they said, basically, what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus' first answer was not a sign to watch for. His first answer to them asking him for what are the signs of that the end was not what to watch for, but his first answer was a warning to watch out, that you are not deceived. Not deceived by the false prophets, not deceived by the stuff about the end times that is being put out there today and has for generation after generation since the beginning. There are those that will tell you that what is happening right now is a sign that the end of the world is here. We looked at last week, many many pointing to the verses that we read that Jesus said here in verses 6 to 8. We looked at that. That's where it was talking about wars and rumors of wars and and disasters, etc., and they're pointing to those as the end. But as we saw, we looked at it, we saw that Jesus said those are just the beginning of birth pains, not the end. And not anything to get worked up about. He says it's not the end in verse 8 and verse 6, not anything to get worked up or concerned about. For while the end is near and it is getting nearer, despite all the hype, the end of time is not here. Not yet. That's what verse says. Verse 6 is saying, when you see these things, the end is still to come. In other words, not yet. Yes, those things might be happening, but that's not it. And so we need to watch out that we're not deceived by modern day self-proclaimed prophets about the signs of the end of the times that the end of time is here and now. How do we do that? How do we watch out and not be deceived of this? We began last week by the first point that we were talking about. You know, even as we... Even as we think about this whole um, thing, and, and so therefore this is part two, the, end, uh, the introduction, the end. But if you remember last week, it was pretty much about we need to be watching for the right signs, to look for what are the actual right signs that Jesus said are going to be the signs of the end times. This week in part two, there are two other things that we need to watch for as it deals with the end times if we're going to be ready, if we're going to be ready. And that second thing is we need to be watching for the right time. Not just watching for the right signs from last week, but today watching for the right time. We need to look at not just what the signs of the end times are, but are those signs, when are those signs to happen? Not just what they are, but when are those signs to happen? We would say that the rapture of Jesus coming for his saints will happen at any time, even right now. It could happen right here, right today. Can I get an amen? Right? It could happen right here. But the end of time, while it could happen soon and the end is near, it's not here. Because there are, and there may be things already set in motion for that, but nonetheless, it's not here. There are still things that need to happen before we lead up to the very end of days. And we can watch out for those signs that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 24 that we just read and that we're going to get into this morning. Signs that some of these 
end-time prophets are saying are happening right now, therefore it's the end. Okay, those are the right signs they're pointing out, but it's not the right time. It's not the right time. I, I don't know if you... To understand what I'm talking about, right timing here. Think about it. You cannot eat your cake before you bake it. And you cannot bake it before you make it. Are you with me? I mean, I, I know I eat my cookies before I bake them. Uh, but you know, we're not eating cake, right? You don't need the cake before you bake it. There's, there's a progression. Things need to happen. You need to make it. Then you need to bake it. Then you get to eat it. There's a progression as we think about end times. Well, yes, right now Jesus could come today and it was what we would call the rapture. But the end of time and the end of days is not here yet because there's things that got to take place. And so when we're trying to discern and be ready for all of this that's happening, we need to look at not just is it the right sign, but is it the right timing? Is it the right time that this is supposed to happen? I mean, it, it, as we think about this, the final judgment... The very towards the very end, the final judgment to take place. But before that is to take place the millennium uh, of, of the millennium reign of Christ. But before the millennium reign of Christ, one of the things that has to take place is the tribulation. And the tribulation often thought of that the intro to the end or the beginning of the end that the that we're talking about today. This beginning of the end, this tribulation, I believe, is what many of these verses here that we're looking at in Matthew 24 is talking about. And, and we're going to look at them, although probably not as in-depth as maybe we would like, only because we're not covering the tribulation today. What we're trying to say is, hey, let's think about how we're supposed to be thinking about this. As we get into this end times 101, we need to make sure that we go in at the right way and not get off like so many people do today. So let's just look at what Jesus is referring to in verses 9 uh, through 12 here. Let's start here. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because the increase of wickedness, the love of most will go cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. Say that. Now, those you listened or you hopefully read and looked at, we could say... Those things are happening now. We can say those signs are, are, are the right signs and those are things that are happening right now. Like verse 12. You know, increase of wickedness. Love of most growing cold. True. You say, amen, yeah, that's what we see. We see that. Except, and it's the right sign but I would say it's not the right time because every generation of Christians before us have said of their generation, increase of wickedness and the love of most are growing cold. You know, there wasn't a time where they were saying, wow, us Christians really got it. We're, you know, you know, we got it going good and we're into this. It's not what's going on. Each generation have talked about how bad it's gotten. And for at least that previous generation of those previous generations, it wasn't the end. They thought, you know, man, wickedness is just increasing. Things are so bad. 
But it was not the end. That wasn't the time. It might have been the sign, but not the time. Well, what makes that time different than right now? Could right now be the right time? And, and yes, we would say those are, the things are worse, but in a sense, we're living in the last days. We already do know that we're living in the last days, and in these last days, we are heading towards the end. And as we are heading towards the end, things are not going to get better and better. The Bible makes that clear, even though there are some people who believe that's what's going to happen. Some Christians would say, this is how it's all going to end, is we're just going to get better and better. It's, we're going to be Christianized, and the whole world is going to be all good. That's not the way we would look at it. Even as we look back to the great lawlessness and immorality that was taking place in our nation, in our history, then revivals took place. It, you start reading, and I, I've mentioned this before, you start reading about some of the revivals even took place in our history, and you read about the, the darkness, the, 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 the complete immorality and 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 uh, it, it's just you you don't you read it and in fact if if and I haven't been I probably I'll try to look for those uh, and and fool you with it but you know you read that and you think you're reading today but then revival hit and as the church got on fire a, a great awakening took place among the unbelievers and many many so many so many came to Christ that it changed around society. In that moment, in that time. The end was not then. In fact, as we think through verses 9 and 11, I, I just hit verse 12, but you, you got to hit where it says 9, they will be handed over to persecuted, put to death. So much of that is talking about the persecution and what's happening to the, the, the church. And when we say, okay, well, isn't that a sign right now that's happening that people are being persecuted in fact are not more christians have not more christians been martyred for their faith in the last 100 years than for the 2000 years before and that is true more christians have been martyred for their faith than ever before in the last 100 years however there have been more christians than ever before there's more people than ever before and so it is it that it's about the sheer number of Christians that are being persecuted, or is it the percentage of Christians in the world that are being persecuted? Because if we go off of that, go back to the first century. Go back to the first century, Christians after Jesus was resurrected and ascended up to heaven and the kind of persecution that the first Christians went through. The percentage, even though the numbers of those who were persecuted don't equal to today, the percentage was so much greater of those Christians who were being persecuted and not in some nice way or some, you know, just being killed, but in some horrible, horrible ways, hunted down, fed the lions, so to speak, dipped in tar and used as torches along the road by the emperor. So many horrendous examples of persecution that took place in that first century. And if we would have been back then, could we have not thought this is the sign that the end is here? Would you have not thought this is the persecution that Jesus is, is talking about? But as verse 10 says, at that time, many will. He's talking about a future. At that time, 
It wasn't then for those first century Christians. It wasn't the time yet, and it's not the time yet for us, that what Jesus is talking about. I say that because look at verse 9 again. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. First of all, being hated by all nations, being hated. That's not a dislike. That's not a prejudice. In fact, that word hated there means to kill in the heart. It can actually mean to kill in the heart. So the Christians are going to be killed, murdered. They are going to uh, be put to death, literally. And if before even that happens, they're going to be hated and put to death in people's hearts. And who is that going to be done by? In verse 9, who's going to do the persecution? By all nations. Guess what that word all means? Yep, you got it. All. Each, every, the whole world. The whole world. Is that true today? No, not yet. Persecution has not reached its fullest and widest, most complete, devastating level against Christians in every corner of the globe. Which means the worst is yet to come. Which also means that while this might be the right time, it's not the right, it, the right time of the end of the world. We haven't gotten to the point where Christians by all nations are persecuted to the point of death and hated, killed in the heart by everyone. But we're moving closer to that time. To the day of real persecution, not just the opposition that many Christians in our country are complaining about. I know it seems like it's gotten worse for Christians in the United States here. But some are naive enough to think that it won't happen. You know, this kind of stuff that's out there in other places. It's not going to happen to us, not in the U.S., or, or, or it's not going to happen to us because we'll be taken out of the earth before it gets too bad. Surely the Christians in China thought the same thing before the communists take over. Oh, it's not going to get, I mean, yeah, some persecution, but it's not going to get real bad. And then the intentional elimination and major persecution of Christians across China hit them. Completely, complete change of everything in the government, everything changed. Let us not think that somehow there is not a persecution or tribulation coming to us. Let's go on. Uh, We read and talked about verse 14 last week, so let's go on to verse 15. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand. Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down, take anything out of the house that... No one in the field go back at his clothes. How dreadful it will be in those days for the pregnant woman and nurse mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in the winter or on the Sabbath. There are those who would obviously see this as an attack on Jerusalem, on the Jewish nation, and what's taking place is talking about Judea. It's praying that it not take place on the Sabbath, which is for the Jewish people, the one that they would or should be celebrating and concerned about breaking the Sabbath in that 
So it, it's, it's, it's speaking to that, an application to Israel. And some would say, well, look at the signs of the times of what's going on with Israel. That's always in the prophecy stuff, right? Look at the signs of times, Israel. This is it. The end is here. The enemies have surrounded Israel and want to destroy it. There are enemies all around it that do want to destroy Israel, but it's not the time that this is talking about. It's been that way for decades here. And beyond that, there's past examples where this has happened to Israel as a nation, and yet they are still here. There is still not what is pictured here. In fact, as we picture the scene described, we understand that it, while it's the right sign, it's not the right time to say the end is here. So it's not the right time to say it's the end because the things listed here we see in part, not in full. We are not yet in the beginning of the end. We're not yet in the tribulation. Despite the fact that there actually are some end times prophets who are saying we are in the tribulation now. Now, how do I get to that conclusion? Is it just because I'm your pastor and I said so? It's by looking at not at the signs of the times like these prophets are. It's by looking at the sign of the end of times that Jesus is talking about right here. Specifically, let's just focus in on verse 21. Read the next verse. For then there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. For many people today, this is the worst it's been. But it's the worst it's been in your lifetime or your parents' grandparents lifetime for there, we've, we've talked about how there have been times in the past it's been worse for other generations but people say yeah, it's the worst I mean look at the way our, our economy how bad it's gone and people out of work and businesses shut down permanently but could it be that it was worse than the great depression I think so it was, you know it's possible to see these signs now as something, and, you know, this, this just becomes a, a, a perspective. But to say, all right, well, the things that are happening right now are worse than they have ever been. Even if I give you that, even if I give you that, that things right now are worse than they've ever been, Jesus didn't stop there. Jesus did not just say there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now. Jesus said it was never to be equaled again. Jesus said never to be equaled again. It's not just that things are worse than they've ever been. Jesus is saying the sign of the end of times is this is as bad as it will ever, ever, ever get. There is no way for it to get worse. As bad as things are right now, I think most of us are intelligent enough to realize it can get worse. And therefore, if it can get worse, if it can get much worse, it is not the end of time yet. Despite what you're hearing people say. It is not the end. 
when you start reading these things that will happen, realize it's not the right time, how bad things are compared. Uh, and it's to realize that when we get to the tribulation, if we get to the tribulation, there is nothing that has ever happened in this world that will even compare to how bad it's going to be in the tribulation. And here's an even more mind-blowing fact. That as bad as it's going to be in the tribulation, you start reading some of the things that are happening and you read through Revelation, some of the things that are going to happen and how bad and how horrible that is going to be in that time of tribulation. That will be the sign the end is here. As horrible as that will be in that tribulation, it does not even compare to how horrible and how horrendous it will be in hell for eternity. That's what we've got to recognize. How hard is it for some of these modern day prophets to get all this wrong timing? You know, it's like they're saying this is it. Why are they getting it wrong? In part because they have a wrong eschatology, a wrong end times theology. In fact, some people that you're listening to uh, are coming at this from completely different, not just direction, but interpretation of the Bible than you would be coming. Now, here's the thing. The Internet is a great and dangerous place. And unfortunately, there are so many, especially during this last year, who have been locked in and locked down, that do their own research over the Internet. You put it in your question, you know, type in, Google your question, you find out what you want to find out information for. You get the answer. But you look for an answer to the point that satisfies you. Oh, this website, this makes sense. Okay, this is the thing I want to know about end times, or this is the thing I want to know about the Bible, you know. As I mentioned last week, many times we don't know what we don't know. We're reading something, it seems like, oh yeah, that, that seems right. But there are things that we need to know. Just that one of the reasons we're going through basic end times 101 study, not something way out there, that, you know, but just some basic stuff. And what's interesting is that most people would probably not research the, interset, the internet for a serious medical problem the way they're doing it for Bible things. Most people would not do it. You know, today they're typing in and taking the first answer that pops up. In fact, you know, you look at a website. Oh, this website, I have this question. It seems like a solid answer. But if we were looking for an answer to a serious medical problem, We wouldn't just go looking until we found what seemed like a solid answer. We would be looking for a solid website, wouldn't we? We'd be looking for a solid source of information of where we're getting it, something that's trusted for medical information. And not just trust anybody who has a blog or some website that looks nice and official. It's not just about what it's saying. It's about who is saying what you're listening to. And unfortunately, there are those who are not getting their end times information from sources that are true biblical answers. They sound good, but they're not. In the end, up there, in, in the end, they're wrong, they're false. From websites that are portraying themselves to be Christian or to be tra- portraying themselves to be a church, some kind of church, or some uh, general church. In reality, they are cults, there are false religions. And I've seen this, and I say this because I've seen it among not only people who are here, but people who have been 
uh, connected with our church, getting answers from what looks like a good site, but that that group that they're getting the answers from doesn't believe that Jesus is God or that God exists in three persons eternally, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. In other words, they have gotten and looked for their answers and then even posted it online, their answer, from a site that does not believe in the same Jesus that we believe, even though they use the name of Jesus. This is serious stuff. To get some discernment about where you're looking for those answers and what information we're taking in and what's going on. We need to check not just out our answers, we need to check out who's giving us our answers. And it may be that not all are deceivers, but some are just deceived. Some of the stuff that we're hearing that's mixing us up is because there are people out there who themselves are mixed up, who are coming from different directions about things in the Bible than we would. See, many today are trying to make the things that they see happening around us just spec—it's pure speculation about what's going on and trying to spiritualize a Bible passage to what they're seeing going on, reading in their own interpretation. It sounds exciting and new to many Christians, but it's not something that's clearly stated in the Word of God. The stretching of Scripture to spiritualize it, not to take its literal meaning, is something that some even go so far as to say that the Bible is just spiritual stories with the point that there is nothing literal that takes place in the Bible. For example... They would say Jonah is not a real story, but an allegorical story meant to illustrate a spiritual truth. Because after all, the things happened in Jonah couldn't really happen. That thinking is taken to the point where any authority or inerrancy of the word of God is thrown out the window. That thinking can also be more generalized, more specifically generalized to the end times prophecy where everything is allegorized. What's happening, these end times things are not literal. They're just symbolic. They're fictional with some truth that they're trying to get across to us. And so we just got to kind of figure it out ourselves instead of taking it literally for what it says. It's just spiritual. It's not actually going to happen in the real world. And for some, these end times things that we're talking about is, are happening, but they're happening right now in heaven. They're not happening here, and they won't happen here. It will only happen in heaven. And these people are coming, and these are not people coming from some weird offshoot of Christianity. But there are people that you're listening to on the internet, on the radio, on TV. I'm not saying all the people, please. And I'm not going to call out names, because I would never be able to call out enough. For example, thinking that Jesus is going to physically come back to this earth one day. Not so, say some. It's just spiritual. Others, when talking about the millennium, it's not really going to happen. It's not a real thing. Just spiritual. There will be people who are teaching this within our community dependent on their theological tradition that they come from. There is no tribulation. For others, we're in the tribulation right now. Like I mentioned earlier, of course, somebody says, well, if we're in the tribulation right now, what about the rapture? Well, they don't believe there is a rapture. And I think sometimes we have lived in our own little Christian bubble where we're at. We're thinking everybody thinks the same way we do, and we don't realize some of the stuff that's out there. And to be aware 
to watch out, like Jesus said at the beginning of chapter 24 here. Some would characterize our thinking to be extreme, that you people just take everything literally. But it's not exactly like that. For example, when we get certain figures of, we understand that there are certain figures of speech or literary phrases that are meant to convey a meaning. It's like saying, when Pastor Tim preaches, it seems like time just flies by. Oh, good, I'm glad you got that. It just seems like time just flies by. All right, so we know the expression about time flying is not a clock with wings on it. All right? We, we know it's an expression. It's not literal. Time doesn't literally fly. We get that. But that's because we understand that is an expression uh, uh, that people use. That, and we can see that in the Bible there are certain expressions about that. We get that there, even when we talked about the parables, that there are certain things that are clearly stated as analogies with a point. And we also get that there are some things in the Bible that are symbolic at times. We get that. You know why? Think about Jesus. It, it, not We look at and read what is the literal meaning there and what is talking about. Well, Jesus has talked about uh, the sacrifice lamb. How many of us, in thinking through that, taking it literally in the way they would say, and therefore think Jesus turned into a lamb? No, we don't take it to mean that way. But we do take it to mean that it was literal. Jesus became the sacrificed lamb in a literal way on the cross with his sacrifice. The problem is in saying that the prophecies are always meant to be allegorical, that these end times, that some of these that are talking about, are just to be taken in a spiritual meaning. It's not something real or literal. And yet we think that these prophecies, the actual foretelling of the future as it deals with Jesus was literal. I, I don't know if you're catching what I'm saying is they're, they're going to say, listen, don't take it so literal. All those prophecies, this is not something that's really going to happen because that's the way you look at prophecy. You need to look at prophecy as something that's just allegorical as something that's just spiritual Were the prophecies about Jesus coming just spiritual and the virgin shall be with child. We take it literally. Guess what? We believe that it literally happened. Some do not. And think about the 30 pieces of silver prophecy. Literally happened. It wasn't something spiritualized. We think about in Isaiah 53, he was pierced for our transgressions. Hands and feet nailed to the cross. Literally. It is a prophecy. It is a prophecy of future foretelling prophecy about Christ that was literal not just spiritual. And so we're saying as we look at these end times prophecies and what's to come that we see, we understand there are certain things that are symbolic, but that that we are looking for a literal fulfillment of these things. So be not deceived about this. Watch out. The end times. Here's the other thing. This is a, a little briefer. We need to be watching for the right reasons. There are those who, when they talk about the end times, even if they are getting it right in their interpretation of the word of God are not, are, and not reading speculation into it, are still missing the point of why we as believers are to be watching. Why are we to be watching? I mentioned in the first sermon that one of those whys is that, that there needs to be a readiness 
that leads to a holiness. But even in the discussion today, as we look at the signs of the end of the time, the application, so many times when you're hearing these prophets, end time prophets out there tell us, the application is one of fear, not of faith. And unfortunately, the main emphasis of those talking about end times is a fear-mongering, creating an anxiousness within Christians about the dark, dreadful, dreary days ahead. Isn't that kind of what's coming across? So many times we're here, it's just dark, dreadful, dreary days. And I suppose some would say, well, that's just giving people motivation to get ready for Jesus' return. Matthew chapter 25, we did, that was the first sermon two weeks ago about the ten virgins being ready for the bridegroom coming. In other words, so being ready for Jesus' return, right? The five that were ready, the five that were ready, were not going to be any more motivated by fear. They were just ready. That was the point. And the five who were not ready for the bridegroom to come, fear was not going to change one thing for them. They experienced fear when they didn't have enough oil. But it didn't change anything. Their fate was already sealed. It was too late. The fact is, those who know Jesus in a real and personal relationship and are truly following him have nothing to fear regarding the end times. But that's what's being preached. 1 John chapter 4, verse 17. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Now, understand, as we're talking about this fear in love and not having fear uh, for those who love Jesus and know that Jesus loves you, it is also talking about on the day of judgment here in this passage. On that day of judgment, we don't need to have fear, but that's what's being preached to Christians about the end times. The end is something we should look forward to, not something we dread. How is it possible that we could be looking for the end times but not looking forward to the end times? This is what's being built into us by some of the things that's being said or what we, way we're taking it. We're not looking forward. There shouldn't be a sense of foreboding. There should be a sense of anticipation. We've made end times prophecy to be the worst news ever when the reality is it is the best news ever. It is a time of preparation for celebration. Think back again to those five wise virgins, those bridemaids, and what they were waiting for. Those, those five, what they were waiting for in the bridegroom was not something they were dreading. Oh, no, the bridegroom's coming. Oh, no, the, the bridegroom's coming. He's going to get us. No, it, they were excited. They were excited the bridegroom's coming, and they were going to be part of the celebration when the bridegroom came. Jesus is coming. It should be a glad time that we're excited about. And we said, well, there was five of them that it was a bad time. Well, it was only a bad time because of their own choices, not because it was supposed to be a bad time. It was supposed to be a glad time. Their only reason it turned not glad for them was because they were not prepared. The end times do not have to be a bad day, depending on the choices you make today. It can actually be a glad day. Amen? Amen. Let's not forget in the end times, it's not just that all this evil is going to be unleashed. It's also an outpouring of the Holy Spirit will take place, leading the way to an everlasting joy and peace. 
And so as we study the end times 101, it's not just preparing for the worst. It's about preparing for the best that God has yet for us. It may seem a little weird to talk about the end times and something that's good, something to look forward to. But go back to that comment in verse 8. Jesus said, a lot of these things, all these things were leading up to the beginning of birth pains, right? He said, this is the beginning of birth pains. I don't know too many women who would say that the birthing process, uh, any mothers who would say that the birthing process was something good, something joyful they enjoyed. But those birth pains that they had to go through to get to something they look forward to, the birth of their child, that then it was a great and glorious day when that child was born. Can we see how this deals with the end times Jesus is talking about? There may be some horrendous times that some have to go through, but the end will be glorious. And unfortunately, Christians can be sitting around so busy whining about all the bad news that's going on today that we don't share the good news of what's going to happen tomorrow. We know how this all ends. In fact, it is not in being able to eternally live with Christ in a place and we can say glad day because then I saw as revelations a new heaven, a new earth for the first heaven, the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the Holy Spirit city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. This is the end times. This is what we're moving towards. Verse three, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. Here's one of the problems of this fascination with end times prophecy. People are more caught up in the excitement to find out when and how it's all going to happen than being excited about what is going to happen in the coming of Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There are those who love studying all about the coming of Jesus more than they love the Jesus that is coming. And we really are looking forward to this blessed hope of his return. Could it be We know so much more than most people about the end times, and yet we are still not ready because we are not ready for what it's really about, Jesus. Are we longing to be reunited with Jesus for his plan for the world to be completed, his whole plan to be completed, and to worship him forever as King of kings and Lord of lords? Last of the worship team come as we enter into that time of worship with him. We need to get ready. As we get into the middle of this end times 101, probably the last thing is to say is let's be watching for the right signs at the right time for the right reasons. If we just summarize this today, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, your words are are clear. It's just so often times we have those who are clearly ignore some of it and, and read into and speculate and decide that it's not all literally true. Lord, we pray that you would give us discernment to watch out. 
watch out like you said to watch out. Watch out for the false prophets that are talking about the end of the world being today, being here, and all the other things that are happening. Move. In us to get with you and your plan to see not just the right signs, but the right time and for the right reason to talk about all this because we're looking forward to you coming back, the bridegroom for your bride. Make us ready. In your name, Jesus. Amen.